0: The reason why we have two eyes is so that we can see 3D images and they work together to help us to see things otherwise we cannot see. For example, you can do this test. If you just put your hand in front of your face and you close your eye, you won't be able to see what's directly behind your hand. And then you switch the other eye, you only see half of it. Now if you open your eye, both eyes, you can see kind of what's around what's behind your hand. The ability to see behind objects or partially behind an ob- object is aided in, by the fact that you have two eyes, you see different things at different angles. Peripheral vision, you actually see 120 degrees more with two eyes. When you have one eye, you can only see 40 degrees. Having two eyes, it's not just the sum of its part, it's more than the sum of its part. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, we'll talk about the clarity through unity. Spiritual vision, how we are able to see more clearly more information if we work together instead of as individuals till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto the perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ let's come to lord in prayer father i ask if if you would lord come to us today and open a vision a field of view we would be able to see christ in the light of your glory and impart that light to us, for you would have said that the light of Jesus Christ shone through us, revealing the glorious image of who Christ is. For you are the firstborn among many brethren. We partake in your divine gift to us. Our salvation, the direction of our ministry is all given to us so that we can glorify you and that you would be shown clearly and visibly. Amen. Till we all come to the unity of faith. Paul exhorts the church at Ephesus about coming together by faith, and we know that faith is the only thing that brings us together. It is not because we're born of the same region or in the same household. We have many families today as a testament to the fact that being in the same family doesn't mean that you are united. The unity that Paul is talking about is the unity through faith, and that's what I want to talk about. You can't take one of your eyes out of your head, they are bound together, and they are bound together. When we are born, we were created with two eyes. And in the same way, faith does the same thing to all those who have true faith in Christ. It binds us together. There's something that is so closely linked. We really can't break that bond of unity when we do come together in faith. And it helps us to see God clearly, so we can see God in a sacred, holy place. God's original intent in creation was to bring order to a chaotic situation. What happened today with blindness, with sickness, with all of these diseases, in particular uh, blindness is the fact that there's supposed to be order in creation and through sin this order is broken. We won't have time today to go through this but I'll just put this out so you can think about when Adam ate of the tree of knowledge. Now the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or we just call it short, the tree of knowledge, is the tree that's supposed to give us knowledge. But the domain of knowledge or impartation of knowledge is of God. And by Adam and Eve take and eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, what they're in fact saying is that we don't need God to give us knowledge. We want to own the dispensation of the knowledge ourselves by eating of the fruit. But the problem is, the tree is the vehicle in which God delivers or God grants knowledge. But God is himself knowledge. He's the source of knowledge. Cutting God off of that knowledge, it is no knowledge at all. So they didn't get that. Now of course, the serpent does not tell them that. The serpent is not really lying to them by saying this tree will give you knowledge, but he didn't tell them that separating that knowledge from God, the tree is just a tree. It has no knowledge. It does not continue to bring knowledge because it's detached from God or taking the ownership of knowledge into your own hand, detaching from God, no longer impart knowledge. Faith is given by the grace of God through the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head, we are the body, grace is imparted through Christ because Christ is the uh, anointed one and we Are covered by him and through him we have faith. Faith is strengthened by being surrounded by those who love and care for us in the body. So faith only exists in the body of Jesus Christ. What is the relationship of faith and vision? Vision is clear when we look not only with our eyes but with the myriads of perspectives of those who share the same faith. Just like your eye, you cannot direct your eye to see different things. Your eyes have to focus on the same thing to see it clearly and to see it with different perspective and depth of field. But your eyes have to be looking at the same thing. In fact, you can't make your eye look at different things at the same time. Both of them will have to look at the same thing. Each eye looks at the same image but in a different perspective. And when you combine the perspectives, you will see a clearer, a more dimensional and a more perspective picture of what you're looking at. As we are in the body of Christ, each one of us see Christ differently. Think about the Synoptic Gospels. There are three Gospels in the Synoptic Gospels. The same account, life and ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. But they all have different perspectives because they're all standing at different places looking at the same story and they give a slightly different, not story, but different perspective of the story which then gives you a clear, a more dimensional picture of what the story is. Uh, the purpose that we have three synoptic gospels, not to mention that three usually is the, the number of perfection, It gives you a perfect image of uh, the life and work and ministry of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, John comes in with a last gospel, which gives you the heart of the gospel. Secondly, when the soul is comforted, it is at rest. The soul's vision is enhanced as it focuses on Christ. The thing that caused us not to be able to see clearly actually has to do with your brain. When you are anxious, when you are fearful, when you are frightened, when you are when you're not at peace, what you see is distorted. Your vision is distorted and it causes you not to be able to see clearly. So unity of your vision or of the body and peace and comfort of the body will give you a clear picture, clarity through the unity. When we're not troubled by the external world, the soul is unfettered from the apprehension to traverse the path of Christ toward the beatific vision of God. Better vision through synergy. The first image there, human and most animals except for one, there's one animal that only had one eye and it's called the copepot. The tiny little creature, body creature, only has one eye, it doesn't have a what's called a binocular vision. It has a univision. The reason is it doesn't need to see. All it needs to is to detect light and dark. That's why it only has one eye. But all of the other, especially mammals, they all have binocular vision so that they can see depth. For some of them needs for hunt and getting out of being preyed on so that they can see more and see clearly depth of view. Anything that walk run or have speed has to have really good eyesight because if you can't judge the depth of field, you're going to run into things. Especially animals that are preying on other animals need to be able to see around obstacles. We have depth perception, precise depth perception called stereopsis because we have two eyes that allows us to see an object that's near and the object that's far and be able to distinguish their distances between the two. The brain calculates the distance because of the two eyes. It allows us to see around partially obscured objects aiding the weaker eye to enhance the clarity through the viewing object because every time we see one eye will see more information than the other depending on what we're looking at. So the eye actually help each other. And of course we have two eyes because in some event we lose one eye, we still got the other one you should still see. Ecclesiastes chapter four nine through ten says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. The Bible exalts us to have unity. Since the beginning God created Adam, God caused the animal to Adam Asked Adam to name the meaning to put them in their position, in their places, in the garden, in the sacred place of God. Of course, God said it's not good for man to be alone. God created the days after he created everything. He said it is very good. Here is where we see that God uses the negative. It is not good. So when God says it's not good for man to be alone, it is really not good for us to be alone. We need to have the body of Jesus Christ as a collective and not as an individual. Adam couldn't find someone to help him to manage the garden. And God said it's not good for him to do this alone because he named all the animals or he actually put them into their respective environment but he couldn't find anyone to help him. Created Eve, Eve being his co-laborer in the tending to the garden. The Bible talks about God being the Godhead of a triune God, meaning a trinity. Um, Even God himself is trinity, is a triune God. In this trinity, the Godhead is perfected. Christ commissioned his disciples to be also in pairs. In Mark 6, 7, he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them the power over unclean spirits. I would love to know who got paired up with Judas. That would be an interesting to find out. Well, when we get there, we'll know uh, what happened there. We are sent by two because troubles, when divided, are easier to bear. And better awareness of situations. When they encounter situation, they have better response to situation. Better uh, alternate perspectives in ministry, and comfort and encouragement. Those are some of the benefits of Jesus sent his disciples out by pair. Clarity through unity. The vastness of God in Christ cannot be comprehended by an individual. The body of Christ is comprised of many individual or parts of the body of Christ so that we can all share in our uh, knowledge of who Christ is or who God is in Christ. Unity through faith gives us a better view of Jesus Christ as we share in the faith with each other. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 34, let's look and see how this unity, the church in the beginning, how this unity helped form and shape and launch the church into a new age. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 34. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Talks about their unity when they come together as the first church. Neither said, any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. So they disowned all their possession, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And with great grace was upon them all, neither was there any among them that lacked. The first church came together and they put all their possessions together. They did not count any of their possessions to be their own. They shared their possession. And then the scripture ends here with none of them lacked anything. Even though when they shared everything they had, they never lacked because they had the unity, the the whole is more than the sum of the parts. The first church could not have started if they did not have a unified faith. They trusted one another in Christ more than in their own possessions. The problem with isolation, let me give some problems with isolation Back to Ecclesiastes 410 says that woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Lack encouragement is one aspect of isolation. Human is affected by the ups and downs of our emotion. The lack of encouragement when we are depressed exacerbates the situation to despair. So when we don't have encouragement, we don't have people with us, the discouragement will grow larger and larger eventually it will envelop us and cause us to be in despair think about when you are sad and someone cheer you up it changes your mood sometimes sometimes it doesn't do anything Probably, you just get more angry but at least you now can get angry with someone there there's something in companionship even though you're angry you might be angry but you're not alone you're not isolated you don't feel like you're the only person left in the world and that feeling is, is such a dark and deep feeling that that causes us to go into deeper despair. The greatest issue that we face in isolation is we can't share the joy. It's not that we're in isolation and when we're sad, when we, we don't have anyone to share our pain with. I think it's even worse when we can't share the joy with anyone, when we discover something and there's no one to share it with. When we find something that brings us joy and we can't share it with anyone, that is the greater despair than it is sharing in the sadness. Prolonged isolation causes detachment from others and fosters distrust and pessimistic view. Those people who have been in isolation for a long time foster a kind of cynical and scornful view. They share it with other people around them causing this pool of disparity, sharing around But the agony of our inability to share joy still cannot compare to be yoked with a mawkish and capricious person. We all know how difficult it is living in an environment where anything that you do is being scorned at, laughed at, mocked at. In those situations, I would say it's better to be alone. The greatest danger of being alone is the danger of heresies. No one corrects us and we head down the wrong path and we don't know it because no one is saying anything. No one challenges our thoughts and our perceived ideas and without seeing different viewpoints, our singular thoughts become the only source of information and misinformation and can lead to distortion not only of the reality but distortion of the truth itself. So it's not good to be alone. God said it's not good to be alone. The body of Christ is made of many different parts. There are some parts that need work but we all need each other. Unity brings comfort. The soul is comforted in unity. We see better when having binocular vision. Many perspectives help clarifying obscurities because if we only have one eye, we can't see around things that obscure our vision. But we have other people around, we can see different viewpoints, allowing us to see through obscure objects. Jesus sent the disciples out by two, allowing them to check each other, to offer a different perspective, to help each other, to comfort each other. In 2 Corinthians 1.3 it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. The Apostle Paul talks about God being the God of comfort, and the way that God comforts his people is by drawing them together collectively in the bond of faith, in unity. Paul's needs for comfort from his friend, even the great apostle. His loneliness is shown in the letter he wrote to Timothy. He asked Timothy to try and come to him. This is in 2 Timothy 4. He listed the people that left him. Now think about it. The apostle Paul, you would think he has everything he needs. He has God coming to him when he's lonely and in despair. Jesus showed up, said, be of comfort, Paul. Nothing's going to happen to you gives this list. And he said, Demas forsook me and went to uh, Thessalonica because he cared about the world more than he cared about the work of God. And he said, Crescent left me for Galatia. Titus left for Damasia. Tychicus left for Ephesus. And he said, Timothy, come, come to me, visit me as soon as you can. Make all effort to come to me. And he said, oh yeah, bring Mark. You know that guy that have issues with? Yeah, bring him. I like him now. In his lonely state, Paul is yearning and looking for companionship. And I think it shows clearly in verse 11 when he says, Only Luke is here with me. He's yearning for companionship. We do need God created us to be in the bond of fellowship in the body. We need one another in the ministry. We cannot go at it alone. Jesus Christ needed comfort. The inner circle came and comforted him. This is in Matthew chapter 26 at the end of that chapter, verses 36 to 37. We see the Lord's own ministry was not in isolation. When he started his ministry, he chose the 12 to surround himself with. They were constantly with him. He was constantly surrounded by disciples. That was his ministry. In Matthew 26, it gave us an intimate account of the Lord's state of loneliness when he was about to be betrayed. He called several of his disciples to join him. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. And here's what he said. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. Watch with me. He doesn't need them to do anything for him. What he needed was their companionship. The Lord says here, watch with me. And two times he went out there and found them sleeping. Now he's out there. He is praying outside of his vision to see whether or not they are sleeping or awake. Of course, he does know with his divine nature. But knowing that they are awake and praying with him brings comfort. And when he came out there and saw them sleeping, he asked them, are you supposed to be here praying? And then, of course, in the end, he said, yeah, take your rest now. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The companionship when we come together and it brings a kind of comfort to us when we know that people around us who share in our struggle and it brings comfort. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus understand our loneliness. He left his disciples. He told them that the comforter will come upon you. He will not leave his disciples comfortless. So companionship, spiritual companionship is critically important in our ministry. And the Lord gave his disciples the comforter. Before the cross, he traveled with them, he talked, he ate with them. When he couldn't be there with them anymore, he sent his comforter. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Through the Spirit of Christ, we are comforted even in isolation. So there were times when the Apostle Paul was alone and he was comforted by the Spirit is evident his fervent faith and his insistence on being comforted by Christ in many of his writings. He talks about being comforted by Christ in prison. With faith, the church is drawn into the presence of God, the sacred place. The body is united with the head of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ. Vision in a state of comfort. Job chapter 33, verse 14 through 17. For God speaketh once, Yea, twice, yet a man perceive it not. In a dream, in a vision of a night, when deep sleep falleth upon man, in slumberings upon the bed, when he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw men from his purpose, and hide pride from men. Our souls are filled with anxieties and fear. It cannot see God clearly. God caused a great darkness to fall on Abram, in his awake state, he can't see clearly. So God has to put him to sleep so that he could see the vision of God. And in that vision, God promises to Abraham that his seed will receive the promise of God. Abraham received that promise, that vision of God. Stress can cause detrimental effect on your body. Anxiety when we're awake, we're filled with anxiety. Sometimes it's known to have an effect on our vision. When you are afraid, when you're in fear, what happens is your pupil, it dilates because it wants to open up and let more light in. Well, it works well when you're in the dark. It doesn't work really well when you're in the light. Our pupil dilates when we're in fear. And anxiety causes double vision. Anxiety causes blurry vision. It causes, in some cases, hallucinations. In a state of anxiety, when we are fear, when we're filled with trepidation and anxiety, we can't see very clearly. Our soul have to be comforted. We have to be at peace to be able to see clearly. So it's more than just the eye. It is the heart that needs to attune to the comforter so that we can see God. Comforted by the body. The comfort of the body of Christ relieves fear and anxiety and brings stability to the heart and mind. We know that we don't walk this life alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. But not only that, but the family of faith is with us. The church is with us. And the church is the place where we know that the love in the church or in the body of Christ is unconditional. It's not because of what we are able to do for the body. It's only the fact that we are part of the body. We are loved. Because we know that we are surrounded by the body. We're surrounded by people who love and care for us. Beyond that, we know that we also have a cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.1, constantly encouraging us to move toward the goal of finishing that race. The church here on earth acts as a place of comfort, a place where we can run to and receive comfort and pacify our fears. But also we have the saints, the cloud of witnesses, that encouraging and watching and, and cheering us on to finish this race. The body is united by faith, and every person is accepted in the Beloved. That is in Ephesians 1.6. The body of Christ is beautiful through the love and sincerity. So when we come into the body, of course, when I'm talking about the body, I'm not just talking about the physical church here. I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ where true love is expressed here. We are comforted by Christ. Paul spoke at length in Romans 8 regarding the assurance of the believers in Christ We have a high priest who's ever-present. He says that he is ever at the right hand of God, praying for us, praying for the saints, making intercessions on our behalf. And he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And he said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loves us. Nothing can touch our soul though in this life things may touch our flesh and cause us to be in doubt, we are not in the flesh, we are in the spirit. And even when the body dies, we know the promises of God said that we will rise again in the last days, this body will be resurrected. And lastly, we are comforted by the saints. In Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 6 to 7, Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. Not only Christ comfort us, the body comforts us, but also the saints comfort us. And Paul says that Titus is a comfort to him. Now note, this passage here is talking about Titus not coming to Paul. Titus is coming to the church at Corinth. That brings Paul's comfort. Paul is comforted in knowing that Titus is coming to Corinth. Well, the reason is he thought something happened to Titus. It's been a long time, haven't heard from him. He sent a letter by Titus to go to Corinth. He didn't know what happened to Titus and then eventually he found out that Titus is coming and is coming to Corinth and he was comforted. Titus is okay and is coming to Corinth. This letter, he said he found no rest in the spirit because he couldn't find where Titus was. This is in 2 Corinthians 2.13. And the genuine concern for Titus was the mark of love of the body of Christ. Paul was so concerned with Titus and the whereabouts of Titus. He says that he found no rest in the spirit. Now, if you are a member at the church of Corinth and you read this letter and you see this man caring for, for his brother Titus, You see, this is real love, even though they were far apart and Titus is going from Paul to Corinth. The love that they read and they see exhibited through Paul should bring the church comfort knowing that there's real love here between people who love each other, who care for each other, even at great distances. Every soul is precious in the body. They are loved and cherished by the saints of God. True, saints of God care and love each other. And knowing this brings us comfort. Paul was comforted by not having Titus come to him, rather by his going away from him coming to the church at Corinth. There's great consolation in partaking in the comfort of the body. We read Paul and we read the sentiments that Paul conveyed through his letters. There is real love through the saints in the body of Jesus Christ. Even though sometimes we don't see it, there exists real love. Enhance vision through peace. As we come into the body, there is peace through the care and comfort of the saints. We will be at rest knowing that Christ, our head, comforts us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world giveth. I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Lord encourages us to look to him for peace. And he wants us to have this peace. He wants us to not have our hearts being in a state of anxiety, of fear, but He wants us to be comforted. And He said He's giving us this peace. Now whether or not we have this peace is contingent on our faith in receiving it, but He said He's giving it to us. Do we believe in the Word of Christ? Do we believe in His promises that He said He's given us this peace? And some of us ask the question, well, how do I find this peace? And why do I need this peace? The peace of Christ will help us to see God clearly. When we're not in a state of struggle, we're in a state of rest, we can see God clearly. How do we get this peace so that we can see God clearly? It's only by faith, and it's through the body, and it's through seeing. You will see Paul and the disciples and all the people here in the scripture, they give an account of how the struggle, through their struggles, God is still there with them that brings them the peace and comfort knowing that in the end after everything is said and done God will be glorified through us we'll be okay through history we see that the church God has never failed the church through ups and downs even in the early days of the church persecution it survived it survived all the persecution so we know that God will never forsake us and then through the church today even though Today we might see a lot of things in society will cause us to pause and say is this the end of the church? Well, I'll tell you, it's not the end of the church. The church will triumph, the church the fads, uh, the current trends will come and go, but the church will constantly be there after all these things have come and gone. The church will still be here and it will still thrive and the body of the saints will continue to work together and comfort each other in difficult times. The body is the place where we can come back to. Sometimes being with the body, being with people here brings comfort. Even if it's only a few hours, it brings tremendous comfort in knowing that you know, we struggle through our lives and our faith, and there's a time when we come and, and meet God together. It brings comfort. That's how we can see God. We can see God through each other, through the body, and through the unity of the body. Lord, we thank you for... The body, we thank you for your body, wherewith you are the head of this body. Give us wisdom and the knowledge, the direction. It is you, Christ, that sees the world and that we respond to you, the vision that you see through us, and that we respond to that. For we are your hands and your feet, and we we long to do what the vision of God is shown in this body. So help us, Lord, in the coming. Days ahead as we bind together as the body of Jesus Christ in seeing together the vision of God and to come closer to that knowledge of who you are and your will and our responsibility toward completing that that will that you have for the body of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen.